Hey everyone, this is Amy Steele, also known as Ginny, from Friday the 13th, part two. And when I'm not studying up on child psychology, I'm listening to the Nightmare Junkhead podcast. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that still appreciates the allure of nudie playing cards. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we begin a month-long journey as we wander the wasteland and look into some of the most horrific post-apocalyptic films, and we're kicking things off by taking a bite out of 2010's Stakeland. But before we get into that, let me remind you we're part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. You can find all of our past episodes at BoomHowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your fang hole. And don't forget, if you are on the uh, social media, you can follow us along on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it's important to follow us along on the social media because Mm -hmm. every now and again, as much as an awkward social, you know, just the introvert that I am, every now and again, I do venture out. Yeah. You know, through the things that we host, but also to a little Tuesday night tradition that I've had at this point with a with a crew of uh, Kansas City horror fans. Uh, I would like to wish a very special happy first birthday to Terror Tuesday at the Alamo Draft House. Yes, happy birthday. Those, you guys have shown at the Alamo Draft House for Terror Tuesday some amazing shit. Amazing. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you, Amber. This the, the year has been incredible. I've had a chance to see some films that I never got to see during like the original run. Right. I got to see some classics again on the big screen. I got to see some films for the first time that I never would have had the same chance. Uh, so I got to see Bones for the first time on the big screen. I'm still kicking myself for missing that because I fucking love that movie. Jim Bones, that you mine? Mm-hmm. The people under the stairs. Uh, you were there for Blood Rage. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> there was a rage. and I le- and I and I left promptly after. Very true. Blood Rage. That's not cranberry sauce. Oh no, that is not cranberry sauce. But you know, there's been so many good films. Uh, just recently, got to see Kathy's Curse for uh-huh. the first time on the big screen. Uh, the shared experience, the communal experience, it's wonderful. But I also want to give a shout out here. Uh, this episode is being released on May 10th. The next Terror Tuesday on May 14th. <laughs> We did a special episode about this particular film, and we and I remember we famously said, "I'd love to see it in the theater, but I wouldn't want to host it." <laughs> exactly, and darn it, we're gonna get that opportunity here. Break out your best uh, Elmer because <laughs> we're gonna be listening to the light. Brain damage, Tear Tuesday. <laughs> Adrian and Amber, you got your work cut out for you. Is this the one with the graphic scene? I can. I have to assume it is the uncut version. Okay, good. Yeah, because good. Basket Case was the previous week, and it was... It, it was the uncut. Yes. It, was, it was 40 Second Street as you can get. It's coming from Agfa, so I have okay, to assume... Okay, so it's got to be uncut. Oh, my. <laughs> you know there's going to be some peripheral oh, viewing oh, going oh, on. No. <laughs> I cannot wait. Oh, um, it's going to be and, glorious. And throughout the month of May, they are celebrating their one-year happy you know the birthday anniversary um there's a screening of body melt 
the week after Ooh. that, mm-hmm. and then they get classy with blood and black lace. Ooh, that, that sounds more like my obituaries. <laughs> your your sinful Saturday nights mm-hmm. behind the beaded curtain. But um, <laughs> thank you again, Alamo, Adrian, and Amber. Oh, uh, a cubed there, I guess. Ah, right. Uh, but it's go. been fantastic. Looking for another great year of Terror Tuesday. If if you are in the Kansas City area, I highly recommend. I know it's a little late on a Tuesday. But to see some of these films in the theater, it's priceless. It is absolutely priceless. Uh, So in the month of May, we talked about it here in the intro, but we were looking at doing some kind of themed months. Right. Something we really don't do all that often here on the show. Try it out. See how it goes. We got a couple of themes, a couple of months, and then you know what? It works out perfectly with what we got planned. So we decided to kick off the month of May by wandering the wasteland Mm -hmm. and spending an entire month focusing, talking, praising, trying to survive. Right. All this post-apocalyptic horror. Yes. And we all you have to do is go back. I think it's even our second episode. Yeah, I think our second episode we were t- it was Turbo Kid. Yes. And we set up the rules like, "Oh, you can't say waste apocalyptic movies are horror." And we're like, "No, no, no. They're horror. It's horrific is it, shit." Isn't it horrible that I feel like I have to defend it every time? I know because you know, you think of horror but you you don't think of like the wastelands, all right. the different horror shit, but as we see as we're oh. going to delve into the wasteland itself is a horrific place and let alone you throw some ill shit in there you're in for a good time and i'm hoping we're in for a better time than our first film because this one you you text me and what did you call it <laughs> bram stoker's the road <laughs> so <laughs> And if you haven't seen Stakeland, you're missing out on a very unique post-apocalyptic film because it adds that element of the monster mm-hmm. into it because usually with uh, before you even get into post you know stake land i guess i want to go ahead and throughout this month we're going to look at some of the tropes right that you find in these post-apocalyptic films Chekhov's wasteland <laughs> yes because uh, not that we have to continue to defend it but it's kind of fun that when you go and you look at a lot of these films right. you see all the connective tissue does it fit the criteria and we've got a few things that we're going to look at. And first and foremost, and for me, it's not a post-apocalyptic film. If you aren't rocking some sort of like football pad. Odd armament, a costume. Yes. Do it yourself. Maybe even a weird accessory like a raccoon tail. Leather or chain mail or it's something. Especially but got, chain mail. Right. You can't look like you just walked out of L.L. Bean. <laughs> you look like you just raided... Um, the, um, Dick Sporting Goods. Exactly. You know? <laughs> from hell occasionally. <laughs> right. <laughs> so definitely that. Um, another one I'm looking at is the threat of cannibalism, mm-hmm. be it very explicit, be it a threat, be it just uh, whispers in the wind. Right. Cannibals. But, but cannibals. Hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, roving gangs. Yeah. Nomads. Yes. Yeah. Anytime that you get that collective going and you're gathering and then causing chaos. Dune toughs. Do- ooh, ooh. Mm. Yeah. Oh, this month just got a lot worse now. Thanks, genius. Oh, man. Um, Give us your water, Ned. (laughs) Another one you mentioned was just the fact that you need desolation. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have an apocalypse to to be a post-apocalyptic movie. So if you got everybody there, then it doesn't work. You need sparseness. Yes. Uh, Another thing that we're also looking at are mentor-mentee relationships. Mm -hmm. Some way or another... And I think this also kind of fits into like the specter of family. 
Like yeah. the importance of family. Even if it's lone wolf and cub. Yes. One way or another, it's coming together despite differences in mm-hmm. order to survive, which is kind of the overlying theme of a post-apocalyptic setting. Yeah. Take a drink every time we say post-apocalyptic here, <laughs> and we don't trip over that phrase. <laughs> but I'm glad that we should. Ju- and actually, this one was the one. This was your choice. Mm-hmm. Steak land. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take me long to figure out why when I looked at the pedigree of the film. Yeah. And all of its connective tissue. There's a lot of things in this movie that I like. A lot of people that I like. You talk about going back to our early episodes. I think it's within our first 10. Mm-hmm. We did a little film called Mulberry Street. One of the... Uh, after dark eight films to die for um and so that movie affected me i thoroughly enjoy that movie because it scares me that movie legit scares me and like when you a movie like that can get me it's always going to be on my radar and so when i saw the guy who wrote and starred in it uh jim mickle yeah and nick and uh it's uh nick dimici dick nick dimici nick dimici I thoroughly enjoyed his performance in Mulberry Street, so I was curious of what he was going to do, especially now that he wrote it, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I see that he also wrote and starred in Stakeland, and I'm like, well, let's check this out. And then as I go along on this journey, I see more people that I know, and and I'm really getting this story. I'm like, whoa, it's Kelly McGillis, you know? And then later on, I'm like, whoa, it's Danielle Harris. And I'm like, okay, well, it's a Danielle Harris movie, so. Did your little beeper alarm go off? It did, it did, you know. You can't even watch a film within no, the vicinity. <laughs> I love Danielle Harris. She's great. She's fantastic. She's great. She's a icon for a reason, so. And then you put all this little jumbo, you know, post-apocalyptic, cool people in it, a very good pedigree, and, I mean, I'm in for the ride. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. So did you see this one in the theater, or was no, this a home, this home video? this was a home video. This was actually the early days of Netflix. Oh, really? So yeah. this was a mail-in? Yeah, yeah, this was a mail-in. And, no, 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 I'm sorry, this wasn't a mail-in. This was when it was starting to stream. Oh, so you okay, could do the, early days of yeah, streaming. Yeah, the early days of streaming. And so it came up, and I'm like, oh, sold, let's watch it. And I wasn't expecting how dour and how brutal this movie was. And again, going back to Mulberry Street, um, they pulled a lot of tricks out of their hat for not having a lot of money. This film, I believe it was around $600,000. Wow. The world they created Mm -hmm. is incredible. It looks huge. It's a huge world that they live in and populate. Yeah. But for knowing that it's a... For pennies? That's That's crazy. How they stretched the budget because, number one, like you said, it does look really good. It was shot really well. Uh, The vampires, the practical effects in this film. The monsters are cool. And uh, so many things to even get into here. So the vampires themselves, this is what I think kind of separates this particular film from Mm -hmm. some of the others that we'll look at because there's a legitimate, they are legitimate monsters in our world like that. Oh yeah, these are, these are mean, ruthless vampires. Spoilers, we're going to go into, oh of course, we're going to spoil the shit out of this, but the first time we see a vampire, he's eating a baby, he's eating, and they show him just blip, just drop the baby, drained of blood, and it's like, Rawr. And As then just discarding a piece of like styrofoam candy wrapper, yes. just like I'm done, right? Oh my god! And then he goes and like disappears in the shadows and does some crazy shit. And then you're like, oh wow, this movie's not afraid to off babies. So I think Stephen King gives that his uh, nod of approval there. Yeah, and they're all gnarly looking. These vampires don't sparkle. Mm-mm. These, These are almost like Thirty Days of Night vampires. Is that what you got? Of course. Yep. On the same wavelength there. <laughs> These are 30 Days of Night vampires. They're mean. They're toothy. They're like otherworldly. Well, there's there's no trace of humanity to no. them. 
because that's the one thing even you know in Fright Night Jerry Dandridge eventually reveals his true persona and it's horrific and demonic he but, gives him a chance too oh yeah There's but no he still has his 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 Jerry Dandridge persona his, right you know he still looks human he's still presented as that way um, vampires traditionally are kind of maybe a little bit more psychosexual mm-hmm. not with not these. these not these these, these are, are just base vampires just like argh. like I said just stripped of humanity gnarly they look also like it just hurts to be a vampire as well because of all the just yeah the mountains and ridges in their forehead and their teeth and then the way they walk i mean because like they don't walk they like do this weird crawl and like like uh, they have to have been found some like people double jointed because it was just like who you guys walk creepy and they're unrelenting vampires too like the car scene yes when the girl is on the car she's like "Ah, just ta- and he's running into trees and shit trying to get her off and she's still like runs her over I mean like and it's not comical I mean no, I'm making it, it sound comical but there's there's like very 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 little 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 levity in there I think there's maybe like two scenes that everybody was having a good time and then even their good time is fucked up there's a great scene in this movie where every you think everything's okay, everything's going has gone bad. Everything has gone bad. Now finally they like go to this town and they're like, hey, everything's great again, and they're having a good time and dancing and dancing. And then all of a sudden these religious zealots, which is another thing I like about it, is the vampires aren't the only bad things in this world. Which now is, this stays true to the post-apocalyptic tropes of hum, hum, man humanity. Man is, is the, the worst. worst. Yeah. So these religious zealots. They're, everybody's having a good time partying. There's like a jug band and shit, right? And they bring this helicopter and they just throw these, they just rain these vampires down on this community's good time. And the vampires fuck shit up. They don't like, they fall and then get right back up and just start tearing people up. And you're like, oh man, the one, one of the one shining moments of goodness and joy in this movie has vampires fucking raining from the sky on them. That's cold-blooded as shit. Well, it goes back to the sense, like I said, it, they really create a nice little world that exists, and it's yeah. a world that's trying to rebuild itself. Uh-huh. And that's... The, during the day. During the day, yeah, of course, as you need to. Right. And it's even presented, they, I think, you, um, if you look at, like, Mr., uh, played by... Uh, uh, excuse me, Nick Nick Dimitri, mm-hmm. He's still cynical about it. Like oh, he yeah. doesn't want to like let his guard down. But everyone else in his roving crew, they're just like, no, are you kidding? We can go shopping. Right. They had they had people trying to entice them and everything. There was Barter Town. Yeah, they went into a Barter Town, and it was and so nice. There's a shot where Danielle Harris like kind of like the guy comes up to her to her with a dress. She's like, oh no, thank you. Right. But then they're oh. like, oh, I really want that one. And she comes out, look yep. what I got. You know. They set up their own world nicely because they set up their own rules. They set up with the vampires like silver doesn't work. Right. Fire doesn't work. Uh, the only thing that shoots him is like from severing the yep. spine or or literally a stake through the heart, which I thought that was cool because normally you don't think of like having to sever the spine to kill a vampire. But I, mean, I guess it makes sense. Sure. I mean, we'll, we'll go along with we'll it. We'll go along with it. And then their whole issue of currency was vampire teeth. Yep. Um, and... They set up the world very nicely, and I really appreciate it because there's a lot of little details, and they didn't overly go, this is how the world ended. You know, it just says, this is what happened. Not even say what happened. Like, this is where we're at. Let's go. And that that's, that's something, sometimes you don't need too much backstory. Sure. Well, no, all you need to know is the fact that you've got people trying to survive. Mm-hmm. They've seen the worst of humanity be it vampire or a part of the brotherhood. Yeah. And there's also that underlying desire to survive and how do we move forward? And the whole kind of MacGuffin of this is the new Eden. Yeah. 
the fact that there is that there is a end goal to why we're going through, why we're doing all the traveling, mm-hmm. we're having the adventures, if you will, but also the fact that this, like you said, it does mirror the road, yeah. Which <laughs> that's a film that I'm glad I watched, but I don't think I can watch it again. Mm-mm. It Mm-mm. is one of you talk about Dower, yeah. And that's the thing. That's depressing. With post-apocalyptic films, nine times out of ten... There's not a lot of levity in it. There really isn't. It's it's hard to ring that out. There's only a few cherry 2000s. You know what I'm saying? So, like... (laughs) Nice pull there, my friend. Nice pull. Speaking of crazy 35 millimeters back in the day there. Uh, But, yeah, no, um, there's another uh, set piece as well, because I really, really, really dug it when they did the whole vamp. And they actually mentioned the fact that the Brotherhood have done things like that before. Yeah. Where they're just flooding people and just dropping them. Well, the they're the Brotherhood, the the religious zealots like God will give us the light. I mean, they even had like this old timey mean preacher. It was crazy. But you see the traps they laid up for not I mean, even before they met him, like the the ter- the caravan when they had the tent Jim Jones tent. Yeah, oh, Yes, that was cool. That was all the Kool Aid and everything. And I immediately, I was like, "Wow, that wasn't not so original." But it's like that was low hanging. Then and then the the, switch because they even said like because they're they're talking about there's few lines that are like um, what's the word I'm looking for when um, they're speaking over everything dialogue mm-hmm. above oh narration Na- thank i don't know why i couldn't think of that word there's few lines of narration from the kid martin and he goes you know when society followed people turned to any profit any hope they could sometimes for the worse and then that's during the jim jones scene and you think oh right. these people stumbled upon this death cult and then surprise the because they hear a baby they hear all these people dead they see all these people dead and hear a baby cry and i'm like well they're already fucking killed a baby about 20 minutes ago so they're not above doing it again so what's going on and they lift it up and it's like i was not expecting this again spoilers spoilers that there was no baby but a, a microphone or a little uh Tape recorder. Baby bait. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all the dead people get up. They're not dead. They're like, give us your shit. And I was like, woo, this is good. This is good. Because you pulled the wool over my eyes. I would have fell for that trap, too. Well, again, they were doing a noble thing. They Mm -hmm. were actually looking out for the kid. I was under the assumption, like, the people that were trapping them were like, no, 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 no. Maybe they were had nefarious means, but of course, as it turns out, they're not the kind of people you want being saved by. They rape nuns! (laughs) Yeah. Kelly McGillis in this film. <laughs> I should have just dropped that big old bomb, but like, no, no, no. it's literally, but that is her character. Yeah. And the way she is introduced and the fact we're there, uh, Mr. And um, Martin Martin's, you know, their crew begins is when they in- intervene and help her out. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked when Kelly McGillis shows up in yeah. her genre film like yeah. this. In it's a just small, but pivotal role. Very much so. And I don't know if maybe our younger listeners don't know, but um, Kelly McGillis, probably most well known, probably for Top Gun. I would Take assume. Take my breath away. Yeah. But I always remember her from uh, The Accused, oh, which was yeah. that film that played all the time on HBO. And that mm-hmm. you know, talk about another one that doesn't have a lot of levity at all. No. Very serious and dour film. So her showing up was just a bonus for me. Um, I think she was kind of like the star that got them some funding for the most part. I think so too. It's Kelly McGillis. It's Kelly McGillis. She hasn't really been in anything in a while, mm-hmm. but she's really good in the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's just stripped down, and it shows, and they're just bringing this raw pain and emotion. Because again, a dour, dour film. You on the Media Rewind podcast, you guys do coverage of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. How much do you feel this? Because this came out in 2011. When did The Walking the- Dead get started? Ooh. 
it's been around for 10 years. Okay, so, so this is around the same time, 2010. Yeah. Because this has very much kind of the Walking, walking Dead feel or like roving bands. But I think it's just, I think it, it plays extremely different. I mean, okay. like there's way more levity and people are brutal in The Walking Dead. But they're not like dropping people from the vampires from the sky. Maybe they'll eventually not do yet, that with some not walkers. Not yet, not yet. They'll do that with some walkers. But no. There's a lot of things. And I think also this came around the time of Zombieland. So people probably yeah. thought that like, oh, another comedic comedic romp with monsters. And oh boy. No, oh boy. No, 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 no. They they were sorely mistaken. Sorely mistaken. And I think I hope that's one reason. I hope people who think that it was like Zombieland stayed away from it. And I hope they realize it now sure. and take a look back on it. Because this is a very good film with a lot of good shit. Well, so much so that it, it, it actually developed a sequel mm -hmm. as well. And this is another. It ultimately was a film that didn't do well theatrically. But man, once it hits the home market, it did find an audience. And I think it's one that really deserves an audience. I... This was a first, so this was a first time watch for yeah. me. Yeah, it was. This was, and I've seen that for the most part. But the problem was during this first time watch, uh, as you say, you know, your first time, you're like, oh, look who it is. It's you know, mm -hmm. it's Daniel Harris. For some reason, I got this film and Daybreakers confused. <laughs> so for like the first fourth of the film, I'm anticipating like Willem Dafoe to show up as a greaser vamp, greaser, greaser vampire hunter. They could have gone by gone by torchies. That's fine. I would have been good with that. <laughs> he just steps out of the daylight. Just like, <laughs> hey, I'm Willem Dafoe. You know, just like creepy. You know. <laughs> so I wasn't disappointed per se, but at like some point I'm like, wait a minute. I've totally got those two films confused. I knew they were both like in the vampire genre, post-apocalypse. But yeah, to I, have you seen Daybreakers? I have. I have. I like Daybreakers, is it a good actually. One? Yeah, it's cool because it is post-apocalyptic for humans, but the vampires are thriving because they're right. classy vampires. You know, they're the kind of like go to get designer blood. They're not these vampires. Okay, so we've been praising this movie a lot, but I got a little bit of beef with it. I mean, I, there's a couple of things that I would like, you know, want to talk about how like on the negative side. But, get your Garrett Graham on. Yeah, but... Like, <laughs> get my beef. But, like, I liked the leader of the brotherhood i thought he was a very good serviceable serviceable villain Wh huh before before okay. before before the turn and then they get a really good revenge on him i mean like really good the revenge way they on strapped him. him down to the tree tempting mm -hmm. the, the vampires out with the blood that was pretty gnarly well because he deserved it i mean oh, he, he was, was a bad guy he was a horrible person his he was all you killed my boy so i'm gonna kill your boy right and but like he we killed her boy because they tried to rape they because they raped a nun so yes. we killed them and so like they deserved to die and and so it was very interesting how like the whole like he's extremely wrong and you know he's so evil but he's always saying like and god and jesus and all the apostles and saints and stuff so when they finally capture him right which is a very smart plan they capture him and they tie him up with barbed wire around the tree and then mister just cut slices like come on vamps you know and i was like that's a good comeuppance i wish i would have saw what happened right because later on we he comes back and he's like now i'm an undead one and i'm like i'll buy that i'll buy that maybe for some reason you know, I don't know why I think I'm going to giving it too much credit, but I'll buy it. But I wish they would have set him up as a villain because they just brought him back for the final scene as a vampire. And 
It was a that was a brutal. I want to go into that, yeah. but but go. You were gonna. Well, no, it's just the way they they basically. Uh, Mister talks about there's a variety of vampires out there. Um, at one point, he called some like scamp. Yeah, destroyers or something. Berserkers, like that. berserkers, berserker vampires. They're scamp va- scamp vampires right. are kids. Berserkers are just like, like the gnarly ones in the which. And that whole junkyard siege scene was a phenomenal Woo! as well. That junkyard scene was great. But he was. This is what he said. Something like, "I've never seen like a thinker before, mm-hmm. or more stra- strategery, if you will." Yeah, which makes sense. I think your vampire makes sense, and I guess that if you're gonna have a thinker vampire, why not be a religious zealot? Well, didn't he? And didn't he say something along the lines like he offered himself up to the vampires or mm-hmm. something like that? Yeah, I, I offered myself, and they gave me their gifts or something like that. But I wish they would have brought him in earlier. I wish sure. they would have uh, shown that he was the one that rained vampires on the party or something. Because, like, he comes back as a vampire, again, spoilers, to kill Daniel Harris. Oh, yeah, that was rough. And her baby. And Kelly McGillis. And, his, and Kelly McGillis. Like, and everybody. Basically. Everybody died again. in that. Everybody died. There was no happy ending for nobody. I mean, even though people survived, they still didn't survive. They're a little messed in the head right now. Right? I mean, it was it was just kind of like, holy shit, that's fucked up. One, I didn't want to see Danielle Harris go. You know I didn't want to see Danielle Harris go. And then, like, her baby's gone, too, for vampire food. And he's got uh, Mr. Dead to Rights. And I was like, this movie is gonna break my fucking heart god damn it it's gonna be like and i've already seen it and i knew it and even in the first time even re-watching it i was like man this movie's gonna make it's gonna get me it's gonna get me don't do it and fortunately <laughs> it didn't and like it kind of wraps up nice where martin gets a new family sure. and stuff but like i was like don't go mister you know don't go and so like i i, I thoroughly enjoyed it but even with my beefs with the, the old preacher i think if they would have made him more of a bad guy but then but then i was thinking about it if they would have made him more of a bad guy from the beginning that might take away from like the low key certainly because this is like not a slow burn by any means no. but it's very not minimalistic but it's it's smaller but it's bigger. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's it, the scope is big, but it's a small, intimate it's, story. It's into, it, that's just it. It's an yeah. intimate character piece of these survivors coming together against the odds of the Brotherhood and vampires. Mm-hmm. Just the worst that humanity throws at you. And ugh. like yeah. I said, there's some there's some gnarly things in this film. Dour. Larry Fessenden. Yeah. Fessenden, I believe. Fessenden. Uh-huh. Too many cooks. Too many. I'm telling you, he reminds me of too many cooks. <laughs> he's another one that when he shows up, you're just like, ah, all mm-hmm. right, I'm, I'm in good hands. Mm-hmm. Any time, and he's, I think he was p- responsible for help. I think pr- he produced. He helped produce. Yeah, yeah, he helped produce it because he probably saw Mulberry Street because Mulberry Street was rad. It's amazingly so rad. So the junkyard siege. That's where we're introduced to the berserkers, I believe. Mm-hmm. And initially, the way it's even like shot, I thought it was the Brotherhood again. Me I too. didn't realize. Until I realized I saw like at the last second the gnarly face and I was like, ooh, the vampires. Because they were hiding the shadows in the periphery. It played really well. Yeah, it did. There are and there's a, there was a tracking shot, and I'm trying to remember, I think it may have been in the town that was kind of a wonder that I it was it was a wonder in the midst of the chaos going in there, and it was an amazing little shot that they had. Yeah. Like there were some really again, for the budget that they had oh, yeah. and what they created, mm-hmm. I am so impressed with this. And that was again doing kind of the research afterwards. Like I said, I knew enough of the film. I was so genuinely surprised because I knew it I I wasn't gonna say 
I'd had a rough week, and so I was like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, do I want to do I want to watch a new movie I haven't seen that I kind of know enough about? I could probably bullshit my way through it, right? And I'll just rewatch something I've seen a thousand times. So I was like, <laughs> no, no, come on, because this was uh, streaming on Amazon, which mm-hmm. was decent. Uh, thank you, Dustin. Uh, but this one you actually have on the physical media, right? I thought I did. Oh no, I thought I did. Again, I think this is another critters, critters. one, another critters one. There's... I thought I did because I remember like seeing it at the event. I'm like, I really like this movie because I think it even came in a two pack. I think part two is. I haven't seen part two. But but I think there's more levity and it's more like because even in the previews, it, it, it still looks dour and right. it still looks like I mean, the same characters, but it also looks like there's a little there's a little bit more actiony. So but I like this low key stuff that we got because it wasn't crazy action. There was only there, there was good set pieces, sure. really good set pieces. But a lot of it was them talking and them like getting to know each other and finding out more. And you never know about any of them. Yeah. And that's the good thing. You care about these people with not knowing shit. So I liked that. Well, there's even a little bit of the narration when they said something along the lines uh, when they got out further north into the woods that, you know, we've stopped small, small talk at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, we're really just focusing. Everyone kind of knows their their role in the group and so forth. And you just see them evolve into that. Yeah. And then and they even get to the like the cool little uh, school bus. That it's emptied out, like yeah. and it makes you know for for home for a bit. Their downfall, all right? Yeah, yeah. truly, it was. Yeah, it was ultimately. Yeah, that was where all the shit went down. Yeah, yeah, right. it's it's it, yeah, but it's, it's a bummer movie. But I mean, it ends it ends on a decent note. It's not. It doesn't end where like everything is gone. No, there's still hope out yeah, there. That's the thing. That's it's, the key. It's uh, that's the difference between that and the road. Yeah. Oh. You know, I called it Bram Stoker's The Road, but like, if there wasn't that hope. Yeah, there's the scene in the road when you see the initial spark that happens in the sky and they immediately start filling the bathtub with water Mm -hmm. that stuck with me in such a way. And I think partially because, as I mentioned way back in like episode two, a turbo kid growing up in the 80s, there was always the threat Mm -hmm. of the nuclear war that was going to happen. That stupid Nostradamus film (laughs) as narrated by one Orson Welles. Yes. But he's talking about helicopters, but then, like, vampires are coming out of the helicopter. Yes, Greg. In Stanley, Kansas, <laughs> he will be dropping. Vampires coming out of the sky, biting your neck. That really sucks. <laughs> it, would, it messed me up. It messed me up. So <clears throat> a little elements like that <clears throat> we get in, even in, in Stakeland itself, where, well, there, throughout the, the film, there's there's the, the his uh, Martin's narration, but then there's also the radio mm-hmm. that they're following as well. The Brotherhood. Yes. Oh, and the, there's two well, stations. There's, yes. there's the New Eden station, and then, and then there's then, the Brotherhood station. And so that that's a shitty selection, you know? I get mad at the radio sometimes. Stop playing the same goddamn songs, but, like, if there's only two stations, and all it is is the same shit yeah i'd be mad i'd be hot it's got that crazy alt-right station and then you got just the really npr well okay rush limba or npr one of the two oh man i gotta go with the npr yeah me too yeah we're we're snowflakes (laughs) no but i was up next on vampire talk (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah what what shade is your shade mm-hmm. keeping your keeping your fangs sharp and tight <laughs> uh actually you could do like non-garlic dishes you there know or garlic substitutes there there's a go. whole thing out there now i'm genuinely pleased to see this this is one i think that i ultimately rewatch again even mm-hmm. though as dour as it is mm-hmm. i i had fun with it though yeah and i think part of it goes to that whole mentor mentee relationship I think initially, actually, I was kind of put off by it because I thought it was uh, um, 
uh, Nick uh, Demetri's character. Mister. I thought he, I thought he was just more cliched tough guy. Yeah, which I actually thought initially I could see Kim Coates in this role. Yeah, I could see Kim Coates in kind of had too. that kind of look to him. But no, don't get me wrong. Love Nick Demetri in this film because he mm-hmm. really grew on me. Yeah. But it was one of those things I thought he was going to be that, you know, I'm the baddest of the badasses. Because he is at the beginning because everybody knows him. Everybody knows right. Mr. And it was funny because, like, it, when you have only, like, a one flashback at the beginning mm-hmm. when everybody's having a good time and then all of a sudden vampires attack, the first thing, he's ready. And he's he right knows there, exactly yeah. how to kill him. He goes, in the back, in the spine, or in the heart. Don't worry about him. Your folks are dead. Let's go. And so, like... It was like, holy shit, mister, where'd you come from? <laughs> so, like, literally. And so, yeah, and I like the fact that, again, he's he's the baddest of the bad, but he's still like, mm, it's just me. Here's some teeth, yeah. you know? And and that's, he ultimately really did grow on me to mm-hmm. the point where I really, it, it was the lone wolf and cub kind of feel, um, which, honestly, if you, you know, watch those films, they are kind of set almost post-apocalyptic as yeah. well. You know, not necessarily, but no, the but- weird things that you encounter in that, you know, world. <laughs> Might as well be, mm-hmm. you know, especially. And again, thinking about um, we had only, I think, one scene of actual like football pads for the most part. But there was the training. But the Brotherhood had that crazy get up. Weird camp, like burlap sack with, with a, a weird, with all like the cross, the, like a Templar. Yeah. It looked if a Knight Templar decided to want to be in burlap, that's what it would be. Because like it, it was really it was cool looking, and you know what? Uh, there was shoulder pads in barter towns. Their oh, barter right. towns were dope. That's they had a very they had a very good sense of community. And even it, when the town was attacked by vampires, they're like, "We'll just rebuild. Yeah. We got that's all we can do, and we'll be up and running in two days." But right now, shops closed. So it's just like, God damn, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I would be that nonchalant about raining vampires. Right. You know, <laughs> is that covered on my insurance? Uh, <laughs> right. No, we had standing vampires. You're in good yes. hands with all steak. Blah. Uh, I shouldn't have went all steak. <laughs> I went too far with that. That's blah. No, you know, no. That's that. We'll allow that. That's actually that's quite good. That's quite good. <laughs> no, I like I said. Ultimately, I had a good time with this. Um, so. Uh, let's do some final thoughts on Steakland, and then you know what we you know what we haven't done in a while. Hmm. We're gonna throw out a Rotten Reynolds recommendation. Sounds good. Steakland would make an awesome western. Oh yeah. Well, I think ultimately most of those films, even if you go back to Mad Max, they lend themselves well to the western yeah, tropes. Just based on all the western tropes that you find, mm-hmm. the loner comes into town, plays mm-hmm. the antihero. There's big bads out in there, and they're like, "Hey, help us out with the big bads or whatever," you mm-hmm. know, trying to get from town to town through again a desolate wasteland. Frontier justice, right? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, so I think normies. Who I don't know if this is for normies. I don't think this could be. I think this needs to be advanced horror. Maybe horror two one oh two, but like yeah, this might be too brutal for normie normies. Yeah, no, this and too dour for normie normies. No, this is one I think that would play well as a one was a uh, like a double feature with a thirty days of night, mm-hmm. uh, where you could play it with um, a Bubba Hotep maybe. Yeah, you know, just yeah, something along those lines. But I think Western fans would get a good kick out of this movie. Horror fans should should watch this movie. Well, yeah, no, and that's the other thing too. Ultimately. I think this film does deserve some more love, mm-hmm. and I think in the horror community it does. But again, outside of the reach of that, Nick Dimitri uh, should be bigger. Yeah, I think he should be bigger. I think this whole cast and crew put something really nice on screen, very very cool, it's, something very special, and they need deserve better props. You know, and he's actually also part of a film that. It's a really good one. Another one that kind of transcends the genre, but uh, late phases. 
the werewolf film. I've seen that. Okay. It's well worth your time. It's um, But if it's, it's got him in it, I'm down. I well, mean, it's funny. He's an old man makeup, but in his old man makeup, he looks like a young Uwe Boll. And you're just like, oh, oh no. I know. So. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Not Uwe Boll. Not Uwe Udo Boll. Kier. Udo Kier. Thank you. Yes. Either way. Oh, no. Scary Germans. You know, <laughs> one of them's going to like fulfill a prophecy and the other one's going to punch you in a ring. So like they make a shitty movie. So either way, <laughs> either way you lose. <laughs> but that's a, a perfect and appropriate. Um, so ultimately, like I said, yeah, make sure you check it out um, now. Rotten Reynolds, and speaking of Terror Tuesday, if you get up there early, the Rotten Reynolds, and what are Rotten Reynolds there, Genius McGee? Rotten Reynolds are these really dope things. They're these old VHS clamshells, and they have the cover work and everything for these very, very cool things. But inside, there's no VHS. It's a treasure trove of goodies. There's playing cards, or trading cards, there's figurines, there's tarot cards, there's all sorts of good stuff. And the detail that goes into recreating these covers are amazingly cool. And we talk all the time, you know, being old school VHS heads, mm-hmm. you the allure of the actual the, the cover itself, good stuff in there. Um, so, oh yeah, I was going to say, it'd be appropriate. We could definitely talk a little mm-hmm. bit about, uh, mm-hmm. but Rotten Reynolds, they actually have a table usually at most Terror Tuesdays, so you can check them out. They are a great local company. Uh, check them out at RottenReynolds.com. If you're not local, yeah, check them out on the, do- on the interwebs. But should we talk about a film that, that is one. definitely not mediocre? No. It, it, Rotten Reynolds, if one thing, they're shiny and chrome. Yes, they have this super dope Mad yes, Max do. one that's just a Fury Road that just has Immortan Joe's face on it when he's like looking at the side. He's giving everybody the side eye. Yeah, it's sweet looking. He's just ready to go, mediocre. You know, it's amazing. This is one. That is one you would want to put on your mantle. Oh, that that would. It's fucking dope. Well, here recently uh, over at the uh, Draft House, uh, our friend Adam hosted a for Earth Day a screening of Mad Max Fury Road, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to remember. Did we actually do an episode on Nightmare Junkhead for that, or was it Nerds of Nostalgia? I think it was. I don't know, but we can do both because <laughs> I, I can, I'll talk about Mad Max. Well, I know Road we did an day. episode on it, and it, it harked me back because that's a film that is becoming more and more like comfort food for me. Mm-hmm. Because sitting, you and it's see, you have to see it in a theater, and that's yes, hopefully you, you know through repertory screenings at these points. See it in a rep- see it in a theater and yeah. see the black and white version. Yes. Now we saw the the colored version, and I've seen I've seen the the black and white version in theater, and it is. Absolutely stunning! It is a stunning, is it, stunning. Do you film. think? It, do you, do you find it? Does it play better? It pops. Does I it? mean, it, because like all the colors. I mean, the colors pop already in the in the in the original, but just the stark black, the stark white, the contrast brings everything out more. Hmm. It it's so much better in black and white, and that's some coming from someone who loves the movie originally. I would I prefer the black and white version. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say the first time we saw that in the theater when we when we got all the trivia oh. was one of my favorite theater experiences. Me too. Because we were both just sitting there like, holy shit, is this happening? Right. Like, we wait. didn't know we didn't know there was anything going on. And we go we go and sit there and they're like, Okay, and like oh, we don't have to yakety smack. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, oh and we can do we can do the trivia this time. Ooh, 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 me, me, me. I know, I know, I know. You know, and so like and I, don't, bo- I don't I don't think we were those guys, maybe we were cause... I was shit. <laughs> I was excited as hell. Cause I want I want free shit. You know, <laughs> all the goodies we give away. I don't want we like, don't get kickbacks. Technically we did give 
give those away. Eventually, we did give though. those away. I mean, we did give it away. I mean, we are we are staying on brand. So like, but yeah, no, that was just a great screening. And again, seeing it on the big screen again was all sorts of wonderful. But yeah, it just it just harkens to lovely post-apocalyptic cinema that you can still make it and it still works today. Yeah, post-apocalyptic cinema, I I thoroughly enjoy. I mean, it's one of my favorite subgenres. Because it's just so much a wealth of goodies. Like, I'll see Mad Max all day. And people know all of Mad Max. But I'm, I'm hoping with this, people will find movies like Stakeland, like some of the other smaller movies we're talking, we're going to talk about this month. Because they are all worthy of watches. Speaking of those smaller base movies here, to give you a little peek preview of the, uh, the remainder of what we're going to be wandering the wasteland in, uh, we've got three films that are post-apocalyptic horror films that probably don't have the audience they deserve. Uh, we're going to be doing Neil Marshall's Doomsday, uh, which <laughs> yes! that's going to be a friggin' blast. Uh, we're also going to be looking at A Boy and His Dog. Roof, roof. Don Johnson in Creepies. Yeah, oh, that, and that's an, uh, and that's also streaming on Shutter. So a little Shutter shout out. Shutter shout out. So is Doomsday. Yes. Shutter shout out. And then we're also going to gonna finish out the month with a Ozploitation flick. Mm-hmm. Actually, oh, we, mm, it's initially scheduled. I'm just going to say this. We might pull an Audible, but we're we're going to originally schedule Dead and Drive In. But I'm going to say this. If we can, I'm going to look for it. There's another one called Turkey Shoot. Turkey Shoot. Aha. We might pull an audible. If I can find a copy of that, we're watching it and we're going to do a review on that one. Uh, we are going to have some special guests in some of these episodes, so we won't be wandering the wasteland alone uh-uh. because, again, we got to you know pull together to survive. We're going to be shiny and chrome, we're, and we're going to stake some vampires. Oh, uh, we already stuck. Stuck. We stuck. We stuck. We stuck. Stuck. We stuck. You know what everyone says about me? I stalked. <laughs> so until that time next week, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee, boy. And we will see you in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs>